Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, it's very appropriate when uh, we're singing through, we're going to sing through that storm and all that stuff, you know, that the mic went out and all that good stuff, you know, like perfect timing. You guys continue to keep going through it and tech team and, you know, uh, with the holiday weekend, they're a little shorthanded in different areas of the church and everybody that stepped up, thank you and God bless you for that. So appreciate you stepping in as others have stepped out and doing things. And also want you to know that, you know, as we've returned from COVID and all the things that happened, that we're rebuilding a lot of our ministry staff, people that are volunteering to help, and there's places we need you. And uh, if you come to this service, you know, you could serve in the 915 service. Uh, you just have to come in a little early, get yourself a coffee, and go and sit somewhere, be with the kids, be with the security, whatever, hospitality. Lots of places you can serve. So be praying about that and asking God what he wants to do for you, okay? We are uh, not a perfect church or perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help, and He's provided that through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, regularly we prove that we're not a perfect church or people with our issues, right? I mean, as a church we do, as we try and function along, uh, we were live broadcasting down to the Gospel Rescue Mission, and they lost the signal down there. I understand that it's everywhere else but the mission, so I don't know what happened over there, but God does, and it's okay. What we're asking God to do is take that message and speak it into those lives as well as God would. Throughout this week, our messages and services are always available online, so please share those. Today's message is very, um, very important. More important than any message you've ever heard in your life. I want you to know that right now. I believe that God has given us a prophetic word from His word for us as we go forward. Never has there been a message that I have felt in this sense. Now, I just talked to you a couple weeks about sex and marriage and relationship and all those things. And it was, I told you as I was doing that, I said, I don't think there's been a more um, difficult message to speak in front of a congregation of people than that message that I spoke. So I'm going to tell you today that God topped it for us. And today's a day of not only uncomfortableness, but in a good way, a stirring of the spirit of God that is within me church, I want you to know that the congregation, your brothers and sisters that are part of Christian Faith Fellowship, have been hearing, along with you, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit's conviction and movement, and people are moving in obedience to God to be right with Him. In the last uh, two weeks, uh, starting tomorrow, I should say two weeks ago tomorrow, I had a, a, a marriage from someone in our church. They said, we don't want to live in sin. We want to live the way God's called us to live. And they were going to go get a marriage license the very next day. So this was Sunday. I said, well, you get it tomorrow morning. You text me. I'll meet you, and we'll do your service. Yes. So we, got, uh, we did their wedding on that Monday morning right here in the church with myself and my wife. I introduced them to the congregation last week. They come to the 915 service. We celebrated with them their obedience. And uh, we had to call Pastor Joshua to come down so that we'd have a second witness for the wedding because you have to have two witnesses, you know. So he came down. And uh, we did that. God was here. There was just us and the bride and groom, but there wasn't just us. God was here. He filled this place. God honors obedience, man. It was amazing. And last Sunday after church, I had the privilege of doing a wedding for Gary and uh, Alexis. Now, Gary and Alexis are newer to our church. They've been coming for a few months. They started dating. They're trying to do God's things, God's ways. They weren't living together, living in sin. They weren't sleeping together or anything. 
They, uh, he's 55, she's in her 40s, I'll just leave it like that. And uh, they had never been married before. They got together, they were like, you know, we want to do things God's ways. They started coming to the church, heard the message, came and talked to me and said, we want everything to be the way God wants it. Will you marry us? When can we do this? I said, well, how about next Sunday after church? So we set it up. They had about 20 people, their family. We went over after church last Sunday and did a wedding in the Glass Chapel for them, and they made their covenant with God. Gary was one that was baptized this Sunday in his faith and in their newlywed marriage, and she came up and helped, and his baptism was amazing. It's called obedience, church. Amazing. And then on Friday night, just two days ago, we came to the Glass Chapel, and we united in marriage Pete and Denise Thomas. Yeah. As people moved by God, aligning their lives with what God says. We have another couple in this service right here. So in the last service, 915 service, when I was talking about this, I said, look, guys, as we baptized Gary and I was talking to you and I said, church, listen, you need to understand that if God's calling you to be married, you need to get married. Don't be planning some service next year because you're not going to remain faithful to God and your integrity in your life. Get married. Have a party later. Don't worry about the party and this whole fantasy idea of marriage. Get right with God. Do it God's way and he'll bless you. All right? So I'm not going to point them out right now, but we have a couple here today that came to me and said, look, we've got rings. We got a license. When can we do this? So we're going to have another wedding probably this week, one day that works on the schedule. And that'll be whatever it is. I think that's four in two weeks' time of people getting their lives aligned with God and doing what God's saying. Seriously, I I want you to understand, church, as we listen to this, the importance of obedience to God. That God is serious about what He says to us. In all the years of my ministry life, I only perform... Weddings for members of our church. Uh, I don't do that for the secular outside world. I invite them that if they're part of a church, they ought to be going to their church to get married in the first place. If they're not part of a church, they need to become part of a church and they need to get their lives right with God so that they can live right. So I'm not just here to be like a judge to give you a ceremony. This is a God thing. So never have I had the amount of weddings scheduled in a single year and a single time frame that I am right now. So adding this one this week, I will have 10 weddings from that Monday morning through December of this year for members of our church. That's awesome. Church, seriously, that's awesome. Now I'm telling you all that for a reason. Because as we look at what God says to us and what he is asking of us and we are celebrating together and what we are celebrating together is people aligning their lives with the obedience to what God says. This isn't about what Dave thinks or what CFF thinks. This is about what God says. And it's about us being obedient people to God. So, in this past week, if you don't get the devotionals, you can get those sent to you. You can sign up through the app or the website. You can or can't. doesn't matter to me. Just send them out. We started this during COVID to stay connected with you all. There's devotionals that go out Monday through Friday at 8 a.m., They're usually less than three and a half minutes. That was in targeted time. Very rarely are they more than that. There's been a few. Some of them only a minute and a half. But I want you to know that because as we send those out through that media on YouTube and all that, it comes to you 
one of those devotionals this past week as I was praying and I pray God gives me like verses and words to share in those devotionals. I shared something with you that God was speaking to me about and has brought us to this moment today. In that devotional, we looked at God's promises of blessings for Israel as they were going into the promised land and that God's blessings were always and always have been, always will be contingent upon our obedience to Him. God is very clear about that throughout Scripture. It's not just an Old Testament thing, church. We need to understand that God says this in the Old and the New Testament. The blessings are contingent upon obedience. What I asked you about in the devotional or challenged you about is to look in that chapter 28 of Deuteronomy because not only was there a list of blessings from God, but there were also curses from God if they were disobedient. So think about this. The people of Israel had just come out of bondage, 40 years of wandering, watching God miraculously provide and miraculously judge. Don't forget that. In that 40 years, there was miraculous provision and miraculous judgment. God punished their sin while He was blessing them with provision. And now the 40 years has ended. They're on the threshold of the promised land. God gives one last message to Moses before he turns leadership over to Joshua. And in that message, God reaffirms his blessing and his desire to move among his people and to bless their lives. I'm going to read some of that to you right now. Verse number 1, Deuteronomy 28. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today... The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. Isn't that awesome? I mean, God's saying something to a people who are nomadic, wandering people that were a nobody. God said, I will set you above all the other nations of the world if you do what I say. All right, we keep reading here. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you'll be blessed. That's awesome, isn't it? God just laid it out there like, look man, this is what it means to have a relationship with me. This is what it means to live in obedience to me. And God's like, I'm going to do all kinds of stuff for you. Alright, so he continues to do the blessings all the way through verse 14. So it's pretty amazing, great stuff, exciting to read. Most devotionals that you will read will stop right there because we're all about the blessing. But I want you to know there's a 15th verse in that chapter. And verse number 15 says this. If you refuse. Church, listen. But if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and the decrees that I'm giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. Your towns and your fields will be cursed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be cursed. Your children and your crops will be cursed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be cursed. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be cursed. This is God talking. I don't think you're going to read a whole lot of devotionals about that. 
Listen to what he's saying. He just said, look, when you obey, I will do these things for you. If you disobey, I will do these things to you. They are the exact opposites of one another. But church, as we read it, we watch the blessings that come from verse 1 through 14. The number one was the introduction of it. Number 15 is the introduction to the curses. But church, the curses go from verse 15 to verse 68. Later today, not now, read chapter 28. It'll rock your world as it should. God is so serious about the obedience of his people. When you look at those things and you begin to read them, it's crazy, man. God says, I will bring curses against you. Church, it's not the devil. It's God. So many people talk about, oh, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing that. God said, I'm the one that's going to bring curses on your life. Some of us are going through some hard times and I want you to know that maybe just Maybe it's God, not the devil, and it's because you aren't being obedient to what God's saying in your life. Amen. It was God Himself saying, I will come against you. These are the people that bear His name, remember? So here it is. Approximately 1410 to 1400 B.C. Joshua leads the people in conquest of the land of Canaan. They move into that land that God gave to Abraham. And it is their land, no matter what the political world or the current world thinks. God gave that land to Israel. And God said, I'm giving it to you, Abraham, and your descendants. All right, church? Please understand, this is God, not current world affairs. He's the authority. I'm giving that land to Israel. Now, As the people enter in, Joshua leads them. They establish this covenant with God. They're living for God. They're going to do this thing. When you go through the book of Joshua, you will find him as he leads the people in conquest of the land. And then you step into the book of Judges. Now they're in the land and God raises up judges all around the country to lead the people. Do you know why they had judges, plural? Because the people didn't stay true. They didn't stay with what God says. It starts in the book of Judges with when Joshua and that generation passed away, the next generation did not remember the Lord God and all He had done for them. Oh my goodness, man. You see how quickly they turned their backs and ignored what God said, just forgot about God. You know why? Because now they were living in the abundance of the present. They had everything they could want. Everything was good. Cities were strong. Economy was strong. Life was good. They didn't need God. And they turned their back on Him. God brought judgment against them, just like He said. And when you go through their history, church, listen, if you go through the Old Testament, you'll see their history goes just like this. Repent and turn to God. God blesses. They get comfortable in the blessings. They turn their back on God. They fall. Judgment comes. They're oppressed repentance through prophets, judges, and all that, come back over and over and over. God is merciful. God is merciful. 
Because as you watch this yo-yo thing going on, they come to the climax of who they are as a people under King David. Do you remember the blessings God said, I will set you above all the nations of the world? Because David had a heart after God, even though he did screw up and he repented, God still elevated Israel. And they became the world power. The whole world knew of Israel because they were the world power nation of the day. King Solomon is his son who follows him. Never, God's word says, was there someone that had the wisdom of Solomon, the blessing of God, and the abundance of the flow of material things like Israel in that day. The world sent ambassadors to Israel to listen to what he had to say, to look at all the glory and the splendor of all that was there. They overlaid things in gold. Silver was worthless in those days because there was so much gold. They had everything they could ever imagine. And they turned their back on God, starting with King Solomon. As he began to allow perversion and sexual desire to turn his heart away from God. God's judgment comes, sends the prophet and says, Solomon, because I promised David that I would allow you to sit on the throne, I will, but I am going to split this nation under the rule of your son. God's good to his word, man. Israel splits under this next king and it becomes two separate nations, the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah. Judah is where the capital city of Jerusalem is and the temple of God. God anointed a king and told him through the prophet when he came to him, Jehu, if you will be faithful to me, if you will serve me, I will establish you and I will bless your descendants. I am making you king of Israel. This was God speaking. God does exactly what he says and Jehu becomes king. And guess what Jehu does? Hey, if I let people go back to the temple of God, they'll turn their backs on me. I'm going to make new gods for Israel. And he set up idol worship throughout the land of Israel and turn the heart of the people away from God. God's judgment comes, church. Never was there a king that would sit upon the throne of Israel that followed God's ways. In 725 B.C., you can look it up in history, which the Bible is, but if you want to go beyond what God says, go ahead. It's all there. In 725 B.C., the Assyrians came against Israel, completely destroyed the nation of Israel, took the people and scattered them into the nations, just like God said. Judah continues with kings that serve God and don't serve God. Serve God and don't serve God. And then there comes this wicked king and the heart of the people is turned away from God. And God comes and he speaks to the prophet Jeremiah in the 600s BC early on. And God is warning and saying, I'm coming. Judgment is coming. And he was bringing King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon against Judah. In 605-606 BC, again, you can look it up in history, King Nebuchadnezzar leaves the armies of Babylon in conquest, and they come and they take over the nation of Judah and the capital city of Jerusalem. They take captives of the priests, the prophets, the royalty, the king, the princes, and all the people of high education, all those that they take with them, those they did not kill in war and famine, they take them back to Babylon. In that group is Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, if you remember. They take them all back there. 
people in Judah think, we're good, man. We're safe. We're good. Continue to live in sin. They continue to walk against God. Lying prophets are there in the midst of those captives also over in Babylon saying, everything's going to be good. God's coming. We're going to be out of here soon. We're going to go back and we'll set up ourselves. Look, there were lying prophets promising prosperity and freedom coming. God said to the prophet Jeremiah, judgment is coming. I will destroy this place. Remove the temple. Church, Remember when we talked about a few weeks ago when Ezekiel saw God leaving the temple? Judgment came. 586-587 B.C. King Nebuchadnezzar returns, brings his armies with him, this time not to take captives, but to destroy the rebels that have turned their hearts away from God and the king. And God himself comes with a wrath and fury. And the city of Jerusalem is destroyed, and so is the temple of God. God is good to his word, church. Just prior to the utter destruction of Jerusalem and Judah, God gave a promise and a prophetic message to Jeremiah. Jeremiah writes a letter and sends it to the captives that are over in Babylon. All of us have heard a little small snippet of this prophetic letter but we need to hear the context of the letter and understand what it means, church, like never before. Church, hear what God says. Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This was after King Hoachin, the queen mother, the court officials, the other officials of Judah, and all the craftsmen and artisans had been deported from Jerusalem. So you see how God's word says, This is the particular time this was happening between the captives being taken and the utter destruction of Jerusalem. Particularly in this moment, God's sending a word. Listen to what it says. He sent the letter with Elasa, son of Shaphan, and Gmeriah, son of Hilkiah, when they went to Babylon as King Zedekiah's ambassadors to Nebuchadnezzar. This is what Jeremiah's letter said. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives. He has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Who did it? God did it. God's saying, I'm sending a letter to those of you who are now living in a foreign land that I sent you to. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. Church, are you listening? 
There's false prophets giving false messages of hope, saying it's just a little glimpse of time. It's just this little season. Everything's going to be great. We're going to get prosperous again. We're going to go back. Everything's going to be fine. God says, no, it's not. I'm the one that's doing this. It's going to be 70 years. You might as well set up home because you're going to be there. Because I, the Lord God, have determined this. Listen, you'll be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. You remember that part, don't you? Who was he talking to? People in captivity in a foreign land. People that he just said, you're going to be 70 years in that situation. Get comfortable with it. Because things aren't going to go the way they, you think they are for quite a while. But he says, I'm not here to completely eliminate you. Actually, church, listen to me. Hear this. The people God was going to use for the future were the very people that were in captivity. <laughs> I know the plans I have for you. Did you notice how God says what he's doing? Listen, God was doing all of this. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. Man, God is good to His Word. Church, do you understand that it's obedience versus disobedience? Doing what God says or doing what I think? God's good to His Word. And it's God who's in charge. Remember, Daniel was one of those taken in captivity. He continued to faithfully serve his God in a pagan land, pagan kings, pagan government, and he served faithfully in that pagan office, his God. Read Daniel chapter 6 on your own time and look. This is what happens. God elevates Daniel. He's giving him higher and higher positions of authority. Why? Because Daniel's a man of God serving God. He's doing exactly what God asked him to do. God honors obedience. Church, listen in Daniel chapter 6. This is what it says. The pagan guys that are around him in government don't like it because he's getting higher and higher and the king's about to establish him as the guy, vice president of the nation. This is what happens. They say, we got to take this guy out. And they begin to watch everything Daniel does. And you know what it says in Daniel 6? They could not find one fault in Daniel's life. Church, let me remind you of something. The Holy Spirit wasn't in the followers of God in this day. Daniel was a man of God and integrity and he lived it. We have so many people in the Christian church today making excuses for sin in their lives, the reason why they're doing what they're doing, making excuses for it and just like, hey, you know, God understands. Look, they were examining him looking for faults and they could not find a fault in his life. So they said, well, we better find something in his faith and his religion. That's how faithful he was. Now I bring that up for a reason, church, because he was a man of God. 
He followed God's ways and God's laws, and he honored God in that pagan government with those kings. He revealed God to them. He talked about God to them. He was a man of integrity. Daniel chapter 9. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord. As revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. Just pausing for a second. We're going to keep reading, but church, you got to just, what were we talking about last week? Last week, we were talking about how important it is for all of us to spend time in God's word, to know what God says, to be able to live in obedience to all that God says. Here's a man of God, Daniel, and he said, I learned from reading the word of the Lord that God spoke to Jeremiah, this captivity will be 70 years. Daniel's looking at his calendar, and he's like, huh, wow, God, wow. And he begins to do something. Church, do you know what he's doing? He's looking at God's word. He knows what God says. And now he's going to react to it. Do you know what it does? So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. <sighs> you got to listen to this. Church, we got to hear this today so desperately of this man of God and what God is saying to us today. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Here's the prayer. Oh Lord, you are a great and awesome God. All in agreement, right? Amen. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. Man, I wish that was the end of the prayer. You know what Daniel goes on and prays? But we have sinned and done wrong. Remember who's praying this prayer? Man of God, man of integrity, man who lived by God's law, was completely obedient to what God said to him. Listen to what he just said. We. He owned the sin of his nation. He owned the sin of God's wrath and judgment. Even though he was living everything God said as a man of integrity in every way, he owned the sin of the nation. We have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and your regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings, princes, and ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are in the right. God's always in the right, church. Lord, you are in the right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all of Israel, scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. Oh Lord, we and our kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. 
But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. (laughs) Thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God. But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we've rebelled against Him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God, for we have not followed the instructions you gave us through His servants, the prophets. All Israel has disobeyed your instructions and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. So now, the solemn curses of judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured down on us because of our sin. You hear that, church? And now, all the curses you promised have been poured out on us because of our sin. You have kept your word and done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned. Never has there been such a disaster as happened in Jerusalem. Every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true. Please, church, I'm asking you, take some time this week and read chapter 28 in Deuteronomy. Listen to this prayer of Daniel. He said, God, every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true. When you read that, it'll petrify you. Don't read it before you go to sleep. You won't sleep well. And he says, every one of them. Now he goes on, listen to this. Yet, we've refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sins and recognizing His truth. Therefore, the Lord has brought upon us the disaster He prepared. Church, you know how many times we give the devil glory and credit for stuff that's happening in our lives? I mean that. God's the one that's prepared some of the stuff that's come against us. It's God Himself that said He would do that. When we don't live in obedience to Him, we are turning from Him, and therefore He is turning from us. And He brings about a judgment that He promised He would bring. The Lord our God was right to do all these things, for we did not obey Him. This is Daniel praying. God, you're right. You're right. Oh, Lord, our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power. But we have sinned and are full of wickedness. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. Oh, Our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. For your own sake, Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. Oh my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve your help, but because of your mercy. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do it. Do not delay. Oh, my God, for your people in your city, bear your name. Church, 
Oh, dear God. (laughs) He saw the destruction of his nation as a judgment of God because of their disobedience and their openness to their sins. And Daniel owned it. Daniel owned the sin of his nation and his people in his repentant prayer. He pleaded with God for mercy, not because they deserved it. Church, we don't deserve God's mercy. We deserve his curses and judgment in this land called the United States of America. We deserve the curses to come. For we have turned our back on God, even though we carry his name, just like Israel did. I'm afraid they're false prophets preaching all across this land. They're on YouTube. They're in churches. They're in the streets. And they're giving false hope to people here in this nation that God's going to restore. God's rebuilding. God's moving in this way. And we're going to prosper again. And everything's going to be fine. Church, it's not. Hear me today. God Almighty has spoken His Word. And God is good to His Word. We as a nation have turned our back on God. We, the nation of the United States of America, were the number one sending missionaries to the world because we were established on the name of God. Hear this truth. I am not here to declare to you that everybody was living right that formed this nation. Don't get confused by the garbage that's going on around us. The nation itself was established on the truth of who God was. In God we trust was who He is. The God of the Bible was the God we declared. But we no longer follow His ways. No longer do we serve Him. We've carried the name of God as a banner. But we have turned our backs on Him as a nation. And therefore we deserve God's wrath and judgment for the sins that we as a people have declared against Him. Church, we're killing babies in the name of choice. Millions since 1970s. We just slaughter them. Do we think that God is just turning His eyes away from that and He's going to continue to bless us as a nation while we kill unborn children? We are blaspheming and parading our sinfulness in the streets across this country, defying the very things that God says. We are parading our sexual sins and walking directly against what God has established as truth in this nation and in the world for God is the one that establishes relationships and we're proudly standing in his face and waving our banners that we'll do it our way we've oppressed the poor we've enslaved the weak for both sexual pleasure and prosperity Human trafficking is happening across our nation. It's happening right here in the city of Tucson where people are being brought across the borders from our very streets and trafficked and purchased and bought and used as sexual slaves. We've bowed at the altar of materialism. We're serving and celebrating gods of the world. As a nation, we don't care who says what God we serve. Don't bring up the name Jesus. We've rejected God's word itself, declaring it to be an archaic book written by human beings. There are seminaries across this land that are teaching pastors to go take pulpits that say nothing about the Bible being God's word. 
Simply those, those stories that are in there are allegories just to give us an idea of what's going on. And yet we think that God's going to bless our nation. Do we really think that God's like, oh, I love you guys, you bear my name, you're awesome. No, listen, there were godly people in the nation of Judah, but God's wrath fell because the nation itself carried his name and they were staining the good name of God by their sinfulness and their disobedience to what he said. We as the people in the United States of America have set apart and set aside his commands. When they don't align with our ideals, we just dismiss them. Church, I'm talking to the church today, not the nation. The church of Jesus Christ just dismissed the things that they don't want to line up with. We've worshipped creation rather than the creator. We care more about this planet than the God who made it. The climactic sin of all, church, is we've rejected Jesus Christ completely in our nation. In this nation, we don't care if you mention God, you can pray to God, you can talk about God all you want to. But once you identify Jesus Christ as God, oh no, not a chance. Don't bring the name of Jesus into it. And church, listen, false prophets are telling us, oh, God is wanting to bless our nation again. What? On what grounds? Our sin has just repelled God. And yet our nation carries his name. Church, do you know that 89% of the pornography that is in the world today is made right here in the good old United States of America? Do you know that 50% of all men in Christian churches in our nation say they're addicted to pornography? Do you know that 30% of women in the church say the same thing? And we're wondering why there's not a move of God happening? Do we wonder why our nation is falling apart, destroying itself, and will never be the nation it once was? Because God said, I will make you a nation. When you stand for what I say and you do what I say, I will. It has nothing to do with our military power or our abilities or our wisdom, church. It's only God. The United States of America is on its way to destruction unless there is a major repentance that takes place. And that repentance must begin in the house of God. I know this isn't your traditional, normal 4th of July freedom message. I know that church my heart is heavy with this message as God was putting this inside of me today God wants us to understand church we must align ourselves in obedience to God's word we must we must then we can intercede on behalf of this nation but the church itself must repent before the world ever will And when the church is living in sin and disobedience to God, making excuses for the sin in our lives, banking on mercy, grace, and love, because we're really good at all that. We want to hear all about that. But God is a God of judgment and wrath, and He is good to His word. And God doesn't mess around, He's serious. So, God's word declares it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. 
I'm reminded of what Daniel did here. And I'm saying, God, the sin... Oh my goodness, Lord, forgive us, man. The sin that's rampant in this nation. The sin that's rampant in the church that bears His name. The fact that we're the world leader in pornography where we used to send out missionaries. Now we're in the top five of receiving missionaries from Christian nations around the world. The fact that we bear the name of God and yet we do nothing that glorifies Him and who we are. I'm talking about as a nation. Please, church, hear me. Please hear the heart of God today. God is not about judgment and wrath. God is about righteousness and obedience. Do you know how His mercy is? Every one of us, me, you, all of us, everybody online, every one of us, none of us deserve God's mercy. Daniel prayed it. We don't deserve your mercy, God, but on your name's sake, please, God, please, God, have mercy. Church, this intercessory prayer of this man of God is something that God is calling out to us with. First, we have to repent, confess, and be right with God ourselves. And then we can intercede for the nation as a whole. We can seek mercy because only mercy will spare us of the coming judgment. Church, please hear me. Judgment's coming. Judgment is coming. It's at the door. The false prophets are telling you to look up for Jesus. Look, I'm telling you to look out for God's wrath. I'm not telling you Jesus isn't coming. I'm saying God's judgment's coming. We're looking at the return of Jesus as an escape from the wrath of God. The wrath of God is going to come against this nation unless we repent. Look, we got to pray right now, and we're going to have a baptism in just a second. At the beginning of this, this is not a message of discouragement. It's a message of truth that you and I, God wants us to hear this. Church, I still believe there's a move of God coming. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I believe there's a move of God coming. I do. See, God promises that move when His people repent and turn to Him. It's not about the redemption of the United States. It's about the redemption of lost souls. It's about the church being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ and living in that truth of what He says. That's the move of God that's coming. It is. It's evident right here in our midst as people are aligning their lives to what God says, church. We need to be excited about that. But we also need to embrace it ourselves and step into that full obedience. Thank you, God. Will you repent with me, please, right now? Father, as we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, our Savior, the one and only, we confess to you, God, that your church has not been true. God, your pastors and clergy have strayed from the truth and are living a lie. Forgive us, we pray. Your church that bears your name, God. 
we have owned the sin of hypocrisy as we've lived in our sin hiding things from ourselves and others around us but never from you God for you see us transparently God forgive us of our sin forgive us of our excuses our blame our justifications God we've tried to validate sin in our lives banking on mercy and grace you have called us to obedience and God we've been disobedient God, forgive us, I pray. God, forgive your church. Forgive us, God. Have mercy, oh God, please. God, we recognize that you are right and we are wrong and that we deserve your curses, God. We confess that to you. We know we do. Thank you, God, that you have had mercy and held them back thus far. Oh God, turn us to you before it's too late. Save this nation, God, I pray, before it's too late. Church, man, we've got to be right with God today. You've got to be right with God. Get it right with Him today. Right here, right now. Get it right with Him before we go out of here.